We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network. Bucks, Hawks, Game 5 post-game pod. It's a packed house. Tonight, folks, I have joining me Rohan Kadi of the Eurostep podcast, Jordan Tresky of the Win in Six podcast, and Adam McGee of the Win in Six podcast. I am Ty Windish of the Eurostep podcast. We're all here to talk about big guys and Chris and Drew and an incredible home performance, a big 123-112 win over the Atlanta Hawks, putting the Bucks. As Jordan Trusky said about an hour before the game ended, <laughs> the closest they've been to the NBA Finals in 20 years. Fellas, how's it going? It's going, it's going very well. I know Adam wanted me to say this on the pod. I am sitting back. I have pressed coconut water with me. It's, it's a good time. Things are things are getting pretty wild in the wrong cutty household. <laughs> What have you got if they, I mean, if if they win game six, let's, people have to tune in to find out, you know, what's the celebratory mm. beverage then? That's a good question. I'll have to think about that. Is this the first time since the, since the Heat series, the all four of us have actually been on the Net series? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we picked a good occasion. Yes, we did. We did indeed. Jordan? How's it going? I am... Overjoyed. I, I mean, what else is there to say? I'm actually on a podcast reacting to good things, not terrible things. <laughs> How about the, that's a good start. Um, yeah, I tweeted it uh, 1984 that, uh, <laughs> that they are this close. <laughs> they only, yeah, but, okay, yeah, let's, we'll see where we are. <laughs> One thing I didn't realize until just before the pod is I'm kind of surprised more people, fans, Twitter, didn't get more in their head about you know the last time the bucks made it to the eastern conference finals they got two wins and then never another one i feel like i didn't really see that cited very often so i'm proud of all of us for collectively at least putting that out of our minds for now i guess you know why that was though 
because there's been so many lows this post every other alone. every other thing that's ever happened yeah. to the books was in everyone's head that's true yeah. there's been a, there's a lot of competition for the thing that's in your head making you doubt the bucks at any given time that's a good point but but tonight what a game i think everyone expected chris and drew there was so much expectation pressure on them and i think they came through but Nobody came through more than Brooke Lopez. I think that's where you the just have guys. to start. The big guys. Hashtag big guy summer. Hashtag weaponize your size. The big guys dominated this game. Bobby Porter was terrific. One second. This is getting Dr. Seuss now. Weaponize yeah. your size. Theater the big guys. You cannot say, before we start recording, I don't want to be associated with this uh, weaponize your size, big guy sort of thing. It sounds weird. And then you can't just lean into your mic and say, the big guys. <laughs> this this is my brand. I I mean, does it sound weird? Yes. Is this my brand? Yes. It's also it's published in the Journal Sentinel. Yeah, you know, paper of repute, journalistic, and yes. I I can't I can't get away from it. It's out there. If I tried to run now, Rohan, the big guys, it, it would find me. You it's know, the sum, it's the summer of the big guys now. Brooke Lopez, thirty three points. 14 for 18 from the field, 14 for 16 from two. He missed both of his threes, five for seven from free throw, attempted more free throws than any other buck and probably like as fourth as many as Danilo Gallinari did. Seven rebounds, four offensive, two steals, four blocks, plus 17. Led the game in scoring. Absolutely mammoth night for Brooke Lopez. It's just, you know, the questions... The whole series, you know, can he can he play enough? Even game four without Trey Young, he had a hard time staying on the floor. The Bucks switch how he's playing defense for most of the game, which was huge. And I want to get into that, but I think even more than schematically, he just brought it on a different level tonight. It did remind me a bit of Game Five against Miami. You know, without Giannis, you know, who's going to step up? Chris and Brooks stepped up in that game. Thankfully, a couple more guys stepped up in this one. But obviously, a much bigger game, literally his playoff scoring high, and just circumstance-wise, a much, much bigger game. It's pretty easily Brooks finest moment as a buck so far, right? I mean, this was it's this was the moment a, of his career. The legacy yes. game for Brooke Lopez. 100 percent And like I, I think we have talked a lot about you know what matchups are problems and i think something that every time i'm on i feel like i just talk about like Bud needs to stop being so scared of anything that can happen that could go wrong defensively like the books have good options with him off the floor going small but again i'm gonna do it again i can't believe it i'll give you credit ty because you were banging this drum for the moment dante went down injured Brooke is just easily will always be one of the book's five best players and they need him on the floor. And I don't know it was a game, game two, game three in the series, but my reaction at that point was, I said on the pod that Brooke is just a winner. Like that's, you just see in his energy, you see what he plays. Like the, the books are not going to go down for a lack of trying on Brooke Lopez's part. And he's just, he's game enough that if you're willing to trust in him and put him out there, he will do better than you feel like he has any right to do defensively. And I think particularly with Trey Young out there, obviously that makes it easier. I do think the books benefited from that with Boat Brook and Bobby tonight. 
It was just, you know, one less thing to worry about. But at the same time, if you're going to trust in them and give them reps like that, you'll find even in those games, they might be able to hang around. And we've seen some, not just like in the playoffs, but over pretty significant periods. I've seen some ugly games offensively from the books where whether Brooks on the bench or he's out there, it just seems like a logical thing to to feed him. <laughs> and they finally did it and they did it when it really mattered. And beyond that, I mean, like he, it's the fact that he was just destroying guys with dunks, like not the kind of dunks we usually see. That's what makes teammates pass to you. It's like, okay, every time we give him the ball, he's going to put someone on a poster. Maybe we should do it again. We see that happen with Giannis. When Giannis is in a mood like that, he gets the ball all the time. Brooke had his own game with that. Who could have foreseen it? Smash Mountain, baby. Smash Smash Mountain. Mountain. It's the thing, like, we don't usually see that from Brooke. We don't usually see that type of aggression. We don't see him just going to the rim that strong as much as he did tonight, which just shows how much of a, like, he's such a playoff performer. We've seen this time and time again throughout the years. Everyone can say, oh, he can get played off the floor. Adam, you mentioned Trey Young being out. That definitely helps. It makes life a bit easier for Brooke Lopez. We would be lying if we said Trey Young doesn't put pressure on Milwaukee's bigs. But you're playing the cards you dealt. Giannis is out. Trey Young is out. These things happen, right? They're, they're playing the game that they can. And Brooke Lopez absolutely showed up. Yeah, I, I mean, it kind of reminded me of game one against the Raptors couple uh, in the conference trials two years ago, like where it, it wasn't, you know, this version of the Bucks is much different than that version of the Bucks, but it was just like, he was just there every time the Bucks needed it. And we saw early on with, you know, when he would leak out and just like kind of like Kevin Herter got just just picked on relentlessly in transition. They, the Hawks or the Bucks found him repeatedly. And then it was just like these little, like his beer pong floater shot, just that he like hits like that's like automatic or just obviously, you know, cleaning up on the glass. It was just everything that they needed. And I mean, it's, it just speaks to like Rowan said, he is a playoff performer. We've seen this against Toronto in that series, you know, it ended brutally we saw it game seven against the Nets last round. We saw it uh, game two against the hot, like these oppor- when the moment has, you know, presented itself and the Bucks need it most, especially, you know, the obvious there without Giannis tonight. And it just, he was there. And that's, I mean, credit to Juru and Chris for finding him repeatedly just because the Hawks didn't have any answer from pick and roll situations, but it's, one thing to generate those plays and looks all that time. It's another thing to finish. And was he like a perfect in the paint or something like that? Must have been pretty something close. ridiculous like that. Uh, if, and it, also, uh, he must won it most because I know I remember one jumper from outside, but in the arc he missed. So yeah, those yeah. beer pong floaters that you're talking about, Jordan, those are some of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Like those are jumpers for any other player. There was one from the free throw line where that came up short. That might be the yeah. one you remember, yeah. where it's like, really, you should probably jump on that one, bro. Yeah. But he's just like, no, I but think spe- like, it, it speaks to a size that he thinks, oh, you know, touch. I can just float it in from here. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think that's something when we get to Bobby too, like 
it was the touch that the book's big guys showed. Like, that was the thing that got them over the line. More than anything else, as much as Brooke got all those those shots inside, like, both of them just really had the touch. And it made a big difference. I mean, for Brooke, I wonder, too, like, did it feel those confidence? It certainly seemed like he set the tone with his defense right at the beginning of the game. He had a couple of blocks early, but he also had a couple mm-hmm. of steals where he's finding himself switched out on smaller guys or he's trying to kind of muck it up as as the Hawks are getting towards the lane. Like you were getting to see, okay, the version of Brook we know defensively, but also the player that the books were going to need him to be if they were going to switch with those five guys on the floor like they really did for most of the night. Brook and Bobby combining for five steals in this game is just one of those things that just you go from losing a series to winning a series. Like those guys doing something that the Bucks had almost not shown all year. I don't know if I've ever seen them switch Brooke throughout a full game before. Bobby, we've seen switch from time to time. But that's like one of those wrinkles that we just had never seen. Like I, I've been vaguely open to Brooke Lopez doing more stuff like that. And we see it probably end up on the perimeter. But usually it's not by design like this. There were some questionable bud things I'm sure we'll get to, but I do want to tip the cap, starting by switching one through five, and then Lopez is on the perimeter, and if one of the smalls, i.e. not P.J. Tucker, is guarding Capella, Bobby is scram-switching over to pick him up and not let him feast on the boards or anything else. That was brilliant, and I think that and you know players showed up. Drew and Chris started the game on terrific runs themselves. They scored the first 10 points unanswered. The players were there for sure. The energy, everything was there. But that little wrinkle, I think, had a lot to do with the first quarter being what it was. Because Atlanta was like, what the hell is this? Like, We literally have no tape of the Bucks doing this ever. Like, I, I didn't expect that at all. And I was very impressed at that adjustment, I will say. That's the thing I was hopeful for coming into this game. Because we kind of saw the reverse of it for as much as it's... There was plenty of bad from the books to focus on, and obviously Giannis's injury then tipped that over the edge. There was also just you're playing a version of a team that is not what you're really thinking about. In spite of the fact the books did play the Hawks without Trey Young, you get to the playoffs and you think about a version of the Hawks that you know are in the mix to make the finals. You're not thinking about Lou Williams at whatever age he is now as like their primary creator. So. I think that that's worked both ways over the last two games. And what's going to be interesting is what way is it going to balance out from here? So both teams have now seen what they look like without their best player. If it's going to continue that way, which it is an if, I guess, on both sides, I, I would still say more on one side than the other. And that's probably the book side. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out from here. So I think, talking about the other big guy, Bobby Portis. This is one of those games where going in, my take over and over was like, there's going to be guys who play that we really don't want to see play minutes. And that's just what happens. And <laughs> it did happen too. It did happen. It did happen. Uh, for, I think I sent one tweet per minute of Teague action, and I stand by all of them. It, guy cannot play. Um, but Hi, can we take a moment to appreciate your uh... – Photoshop of uh, Mike Budenholzer onto Kevin Durant on a phone. <laughs> Go find that tweet if you uh, yeah. if you're listening to this and don't know what we're talking about. Yes. Uh, I don't know, so I'm gonna somebody do that. with yeah. uh, hashtag extend bud in their display name was taking great exception and um, saying I had my undergarments in a bunch and 
I just uh, burner. I just said burner right away. It was during a break in play. It makes perfect sense. But um, and Forbes, even Forbes at 14 minutes and he makes a three. It was at the fourth quarter that really he just needed to make. But before that, like literally nothing coming from those minutes. And you have to go with way more of those minutes if you can't get 38 out of Lopez. So credit to Lopez, too. I think he had averaged like 22 minutes per game in this series. It had been hard to play in the way the Bucks were playing. But 36 minutes from Bobby Portis. Before the game, I said, I don't know if I can see 36 from Portis. That, not a very Bucks move. I think we're more likely to see 40 from Pat. Pat didn't have it. Portis did have it. And, it again, it's like one of those little things. No, it's not that little, but like getting that many minutes. I mean, from Brooke is great. More expected, I think, based on past postseasons and earlier this postseason. 36 quality minutes from Bobby Portis that the Bucks win by 14 points. Like, Every minute you can take away from what's left of the bench, which is not a whole lot, is so huge at this stage. You just got to give credit to everyone in the starting five, who everyone who started came out, played, and just soaked up minutes, which, you know, it's again, it's like that's – it's a bud thing that we just didn't see before, and this is a unique circumstance, but it's also just like you have to tip the cap to Bobby Portis for – no, no prolonged lapses or bad spells over a full 36 minutes where his playoff minutes high this postseason was 20. He hadn't hit 21, like just a super impressive game. Also, before. Points. Not Adam, one side. 22 points, eight rebounds, three assists, three steals, big energy, big hustle guy. Just absolutely provided everything that they needed. Not bad for a cult hero. He is a cult hero. Did, did you hear if I serve I don't, this is not up for debate. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, Ron. We'll get to that. Look, you can't even <laughs> wait. Just no patience. What I want to say before circling back to Bobby, because I think there's a chance we could kind of overlook him, but when you're talking to guys that like played significant minutes, PJ Tucker playing 38 minutes, playing really well, like that again, it's it's in the brook mold. It's an even older guy than that, but it's like, we just take it for granted. He's that kind of player. He's that kind of guy, and he's done it all postseason. That is not easy. Just think of how little he played throughout the regular season. Just what his last twelve. Think about what he looked like when he first like. came to Milwaukee. Too. Yeah, that's the so, other thing. And also just what he's done along the way. You know, like the series he went through before this one, and he's still going. He's still coming back every night. It's really, really impressive. And like, it's just in the nature of him to be an unsung hero. But let's sing a little bit now to wait, to transition wait, 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 over real, to that. One last thing on Tucker, then I'll let you go. Wow, his ruin quotes, my sec. I know, I know. His quotes uh, to Eric Name in the post game of Game Four, which were really good and, and long, and you should go read it. But basically saying like we're not going out like this. And at the time, I remember reading it, and I was like, you know, is he saying that because you have to say that? But you watch the video, and he did like he molded over, and I think it was. I mean, clearly watch this game; it was entirely serious. He wasn't just saying that to say it. Like, he meant it, and the team came out and backed it up. Like, they were not going out like this. So, I mean, they haven't won the series. Clearly, they still got a game to go, and it's a huge game. We don't know Giannis' status. We'll get there. But just props to P.J. Tucker and and all the dogs because they did not go out like that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Adam. So from the unsung hero to the very much sung hero, constantly being sung around Pfizer form, Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis, I apologize to you. Oh. Now, let's, no, let's not get carried away yet. I've got more to say. <laughs> I've got more to say. We were this close. I'm not just... Listen. The love is out of control. It, you can't say anything constructive. about nope. it's, it's really weird. I don't hate it if, you know, they're, they're taking a 3-2 lead at the conference finals. I can, I can live with it. But it's it's really weird. I mean, great for everyone. I'm glad book fans are just embracing anything this much. I was I was anything actually positive. Anything positive this much. Yeah, anything positive. Fiction. I was I was only thinking earlier, my dad, who knows nothing really about the NBA, but knows where the books are at the moment, whatever. I was trying to explain to him earlier, like he was asking, Oh, and when's the last time they were here? Or like what's I was like, no, no, you don't understand. When I started like covering this thing i started watching nobody cared nobody cared about anything so the fact that like there's seventeen thousand people in an arena fifteen thousand people outside and about twenty thousand people in my mentions all championing (laughs) bobby portis is spectacular i'm here for it i will seriously he's he's been great and i've said all along not not at one point anyone can go and check the tape I've never said they shouldn't play Bobby Portis. Does that reflect more on the other options? Maybe. But I do still think I won't back away from I, I my concerns are still my concerns. And when this came up a few episodes ago, 
I was not expecting Alice to get injured and there was a whole bunch of other stuff. So we were starting to look ahead maybe a little bit more. I said, I would be concerned for a matchup with the Suns. That would still apply. That will apply for Brooke as well, by the way, defensively in both of them. Bobby did have late third quarter. I'm not nitpicking. This is not criticism. It's just an example of, again, which I don't think is unfair. He had a moment where it was around the time he got to the free throw line. He got the whole crowd really amped up. He split the free throws. Then he had one really just brain dead mid-range jumper. And he followed that up with missing two free throws. And it's the shot selection at times can go wrong. Now, this is a great example. If he's going to get inside and he's going to use his touch and he's going to find hook shots and he's going to crash the boards, that's a big deal. And I can get on board with that player. And to his credit, he has been much more of that player in the playoffs than he even was in, in the regular season. He's not the guy taking just the most awful mid-range shots. So I tip my cap. Rowan can just, you know, back all the way off with his agenda. I, Rowan is leading this my army. Agenda. My yeah. agenda. My agenda. Listen, things have been said. <laughs> things have been said by lots of people. Something's good, something's bad, right? But Bobby Portis is having a great run. He's he's doing some really good stuff. I I do think Bucks fans, I'm fine with everyone loving him, but just let's not get completely carried away because there's still, you know, really important moments to come. And as a player, but he is not later. perfect. That's but, later, not but now. Rowan, he's a cult hero. That's the point. The whole point is, is he's a cult hero. People love him, but we could find out at any given moment. Oh no! Like, oh no! Like, that's that terrifies me. It really terrifies me. I mean, I think people love him because he makes impact plays, and I think for sure gravitate. And he, I mean, that's it's like the perfect combination for a Wisconsin team of that, and also being the guy who's like doing work in the trenches and getting offensive rebounds and that kind. Of, like that is that's a that combo has juice in this state. All gas, no breaks. Bobby Portis, no breaks. There are plenty of people who unironically love that quote. I'm sure I'm not yes. among them, but. I get it. I do get it. I'm not a huge fan. The BP thing was really weird. It's a little campy, but... Really, really weird. Like, in this, in 2021, right? And, like, with the problems are all staring down. (laughs) To be like, yeah, you know, it's me. Let's align ourselves with BP. British Petroleum, that's me. Um, It's even... I I forgot. I I was actually... I was looking up... um, (laughs) Bobby, I was like, what's what's Bobby's middle name from for one. the apology? I was going, doesn't have one. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot he's also not even Robert Portis. Now he is just Bobby Portis, which is incredible. I but, guess the, na- the his middle name is Portis now because he's junior, so it could be Bobby Portis Junior. Yeah, or, or it could be British Petroleum. Exactly, Petroleum. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hope he gets the bag, man. He deserves it. Maybe if he gets a lucrative BP sponsorship, it'll be easier for the Bucks to retain him on their MLE. Bright side. Bright side of everything. <laughs> Listen, Adam, there's only so much he can do. His name isn't Tesla. It doesn't abbreviate to that. You take what comes to you. He's got BP. That's what he's got to go with. Sure. I'm Look, he can, he can keep going like he's going. 
once he doesn't run out of gas anytime soon, I'll yeah. be I'll be why, perfectly why content. Just speaking negativity. Just leave it. How is that negativity? Hope he doesn't run out of gas. There's gonna be problems later. Like, I don't hope any. That ticker is not pointing to E right now. Rowan, are no. you a books fan? <laughs> Enjoy the moment. Yeah. What podcast am I on? Bobby Portis, three assists, no turnovers. When I have we got the that, tape where Rowan has the meltdown? Have we got that one? <laughs> you have to be more specific. But three assists, no turnovers. And from there, I looked at the rest of the Bucks. Nobody on the team had more than two turnovers, and Milwaukee only turned it over eight times as a unit, which is super impressive considering Drew and Chris had eight combined last game. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's that's how massive that was. They flipped it, and you could just like there was that different level of intensity and valuing possessions that you could feel from the whole team. I mean, two of the turnovers were PJ Tucker, who like barely touches the ball, and I think one of them was an inbounds, and then one was just a, a bad pass. But, yeah, um, keep the ball out of PJ's hands unless it's a corner three or an offensive rebound. Most of those are tap outs anyway, but still a great game for PJ for sure. It's just it's kind of random, but. It was just really impressive to see the overall, I think, level of focus and discipline. And nobody having more than two turnovers is just like that's the ball's on a string and guys are just executing. And I think it, it just can't get over how impressive of a performance this was. I mean, on the post game four pod, we were trying to figure out, like, how are they going to have any offense? Like, who's going to score? You need 50 from Chris and 30 from Drew. No, they get 33 from Brooke, 26 from Chris, 25 from Drew. 22 from Portis, and then everybody else combines for 17. Yeah, with none of those coming from Pat Connaughton, which is probably what I would have penciled in Pat for anyway. It it didn't even take that much variance. I mean, it was an amazing Brook Lopez game, but nobody hit threes. The Bucks shoot 31% from three. Like, imagine if right their playoff average, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> true. Well, it wasn't positive variance, at least, but I mean, just imagine if someone, if Adam, you hopped back in a time machine toward the end of that game three post or game four post game and go, oh, yeah, they're going to score a 123 in the next game and they're going to shoot nine for 29 from three out of like, no, they're not. They're absolutely not. Like, this was a team game. I think most everyone executed very well. You could go in a lot of different directions here, but Jordan, who do you want to talk about? Well, to your point, like, they obviously have the three point shooting disparity, but like, if you would have told me that they would have scored 66 points in the paint, be plus 30 without Giannis, that's unheard of. Yeah. That's unheard of. And what was it, like 28 in the first quarter? Brooke Lopez scored more points in the paint in this game than he he did in one through four combined. Yeah. Like, that's where, like, we can look at Brooke Lopez, we can look at Bobby and just, you know, you know, first playoff start. And like you said before, can you name the last time that he played 36 minutes in a meaningful basketball game? Like, it would have to be, like, at Arkansas. Arkansas, yeah. In the tournament. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I think that's where, like, it was those two, obviously, just wreaking havoc in the paint. But, like, Drew and Chris, they – it it felt easy, but it wasn't because they just – they had a lot of pressure go their way. They we saw like doubling, even triple teaming Chris at times, and he. There were times this year where he was not doing well against traps. I remember that like Toronto back to back that he Rappers. just it he was his low point of the, the season. The by far. Yeah, and just seeing them kind of just orchestrate the offense with ease and just kind of never see me rushed and always in control. Like again, that. 
where we're trying to see like how this offense could operate without Giannis and just seeing like we're thinking of, okay, they're going to probably have more touches, post touches for Brooke. That was kind of, we were going up the right track, but it wasn't like how we saw it tonight. And then just, you know, they stepped up and just took care, carry the baton to the point where they could have games for Brooke and Bobby and just make things easy for everybody. It was just total team effort from the starters, especially. I got to tip the cap to Rohan who was, Defending and and Adam was too, but Rohan was doing it on Twitter very upfront. Chris Middleton's passing, he was throwing lasers around mm-hmm. the court in this game. I thought he had an outside shot at the triple double. Wasn't going to say anything about it. Don't want to. Don't want that energy on me. But twenty six points, thirteen boards, thirteen boards. Chris Middleton's re- Chris Middleton. Honestly, what I thought a couple times watching this game. Guy almost looks like a four out there at times. Like he's rebounding aggressively. He's scoring more in the paint than we're definitely used to seeing. He's cleaning Mm -hmm. up shots and putting them back. Like really impressive, like gritty playoff winning kind of buckets. Eight assists, two steals, one block, just one turnover. That block on on John Collins too, like that that fits right in that gritty playoff play, you know, which is just not really what you're saying. Because if it, goes the, if it goes Atlanta's way, that's such a momentum booster as well, mm-hmm. given it might not have mattered given the score at that point. But it's like every single possession matters, and these guys know it. Mm-hmm. And just like – it said, go ahead, Adam, but just like, again, I keep saying the word impressed, but this was, you know, I think more pressure probably on Chris than anyone else on the roster playing at least on this game. I mean, he's the guy who everyone needs to see step up. We all know about the question marks and the times he's come up short before two days ago, but like he was ready from the very start, literally the very start. And I think his poise was a massive part of the win. I just think generally Middleton, this isn't a new conversation, but it becomes more and more apparent. And I think it becomes more and more ridiculous to lean one way or another and to go with the extremes. Sure. He came up short two days ago. What What's the standard we're measuring him against? Like, Look at what he did before that. Look at what he did, like a game even where he he wasn't all that great. Game seven against the Nets. Final five minutes, though, he was there. He was right there to come up with big shots. It's and the same with his, Kevin Grant. Yeah, it's the same thing with his passing, with, with his playmaking. Like, is he a point guard? Is he like Chris Paul when it comes to his handles and his passing? No, but why are we looking for him to be that? This is a, a guy who was just pretty basic in terms of skills, two-way wing coming into the league, who has worked his way up, who's rounded out his game, and here they are without Giannis. And I know I know Drew had 13, was it 13 assists? I honestly, in particular second half, I felt like the Bucks offense was in more control when it was in Middleton's hands. And that is just that's a common team throughout these playoffs. Even when Giannis is out there, it, it seems like good things have been happening. When he's doing it, he doesn't have to be the best passer in the world. He's pretty tidy. He's not making massive turnovers. And the other thing is, if people were to really scrutinize his turnovers, they're like off his foot. They're dead ball turnovers, which if they if you're going to have turnovers, they're the ones you want. What you don't want is the the Jeff Teague turnover in this game, which I was like, I I was just at that moment. I was like, you know, what? maybe this maybe this could be the Teague game. Maybe this, and then he threw oh. the most lackadaisical pass ever. I'm like, it's come on, Jeff! It's the conference finals. From the elbow to the top of the key beyond the arc, like the most basic, should <laughs> just, be a hundred percent pass. It's just like looped up. There is no, 
no kind of power on it at all. I was like, what are, what are we doing here, Jeff? What are we doing? In the finals. I could not believe it. I could not believe my eyes. You know who the Bucks backup point guard is now? Chris Middleton. That's how it's got to be. That's Drew is the primary point guard. When Drew is out, Chris has to be playing and handling the ball. Like we're out of options. That's where we're at. No more Teague ever. He just can't play. I'm sorry. Yeah. Adam, you mentioned, uh, he doesn't have to be Chris Paul. He had a very, very Chris Paul-esque play, though. Chris Middleton did. I tweeted about this during the game. He it was a pick and roll with Brooke Lopez, and he just immediately snakes it to bring out Cam Reddish. Sizes up the defender, just dots a three in his eyes. Like, who is this guy? Like, we don't, we haven't seen this from Chris Middleton, really, in terms of flowing within the pick and roll. We also had a play on the same Chris Brooke pick and roll, where instead of just throwing, you know, a pocket pass to Brooke, which he's become elite elite at those pocket passes no he just immediately flows into a skip pass to Bryn Forbes who bricks the three but mm-hmm. it's, it's there it's an open look that he immediately finds then you've got like a spin move on the left block where you're just like oh my who's, gosh who's this guy and Kevin don't hurt her um, <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> Jesus Christ incredible Jordan how, how long has that one been in the chamber just put it up right now. <laughs> that, that one felt like uh, that one felt like a quick load and fire. A generational could... podcaster. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jordan's the Batman. I've always said this. The deepest bag by far. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It was a it was a gorgeous move, and I think Middleton's game is so funny because I just feel like he does he dabbles in absolutely everything. Like. Every single thing, like he does it at least a little bit, and not just like Ken, like every single game, like he'll he'll pull up in your face, he'll hit a step back, he'll post someone up, he'll go to the rack. That's probably what it is least on offense, honestly. Yeah, um, I guess we don't see a ton of floaters that maybe be it, but like defensively, he will go from guarding a like shooter, like a, a Kevin Herter or someone of that nature, Duncan Robinson in, in round one, uh, Shamit at times, and and uh. Joe, what's Joe on the Nets? Harris. Joe Harris. Uh, That's how bad his series I love. I can't remember his I love where we've got to with this. Because even when you said Duncan Robinson, I said, remember him. Remember Duncan Robinson? (laughs) And then Ty just one-ups me with Joe on the Nets. Chris is erasing guys from recording Trader Joe, was that? No. Um, But... But then he'll go from guarding those guys to like a gallo and, and hold up yep. fine. And I just think like his positional versatility, his bag versatility, I, I don't know. Um, but it's like it's on display. Like he does a little bit of everything and it's really helpful. And I just think over the years, he's gotten sign- significantly better at all of those things. And you go from like that guy's an interesting player, three and D guy, maybe he can do some other stuff to now it's like, he can help you in a lot of different ways. And I think that's a point that when I was a little lower on him the last game, or it might have even been a, a different game, but the point was made like he's always helping you somehow. And this is true, I think, of Drew as well, and I want to talk about him in a second. But I just think Chris has become such a well-rounded player, and I just think he always shows up somehow now. I don't think we're ever going to see another two for nine or two for six or whatever the hell the awful Raptors performance was like. That just feels behind us. Like he has different energy now. And I think we talk about the Bucks as a whole and Giannis, especially, you know, going through these other playoff losses and coming out better. I think he certainly has. I mean, like this guy, we would not recognize this guy two years ago. Like, holy bad oh. player. 
especially to that conference. I mean, I'm trying to think of when he had like a good game four, but that was when they just got blown out by Toronto. Yeah. Like the map, like the development and maturation of Chris in itself over the last two years is totally different from that bud year. That was, we talked about multiple times that of all the players that were on that team, he was the one that had the hardest time to adjust. I know it's been written about like, you know, numerously since then, but bucks thing being written about numerously means there are two articles about it. (laughs) True. But But, I know what you mean. I agree with you, but it's just, that's the difference between like, if we covered the Lakers or something, there would be an 18 part podcast series about the Jordan wrote both of those articles (laughs) too. (laughs) (laughs) But it just, it just shows you like he, and again, the circumstances of Giannis being out, there is no like cover. You have to step up. You can't, you know, shy away from shots or will turn under pressure. You you're everything's there. Everything's bare <laughs> to the bones at this point. You're starting Bobby Portis in a meaningful game five of a conference final series. Like this is where we are. Yeah. And why are you saying Chris, that like it's a bad thing? I'm not yeah. saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying he is again. See he's putting an OT. He's a Portis instigator. He's denying that he's a cult hero because he doesn't want to be known as a cult leader. This is what's <laughs> going on here. <laughs> The and then when it breaks bad, bad, everybody disperses. And then, you know, <laughs> but no, like, I think that's the same of Drew. I mean, we talked about last pod where it's like, can these two coexist at the same time? Can they both have good games? And Drew's different in the sense that, like, he can just, we saw from the get go, he just overpowers players and he's 6'3. That might be even a little generous, too. I don't know. But, like, He's just so strong for his size and position and just the way that like, I agree. I think they, the offense felt more kind of just composed than it was in the first half. But that was also, I think it was just how crazy of a start it was to start. But Drew just like, he set the tone right away and just overpowering like guys like Herder, Bogdanovich or whatever it was and hitting shots. He had that crazy like rainbow fadeaway, like everything just felt in sync Again, I'm just going to repeat myself, but everything felt in sync from Drew and Chris, and it just filtered on down. Just quickly, uh, Rohan, then I want to hear from you on on Drew or Chris or whoever. But we talked about how It'll guys be bumpy part of <laughs> We talked about how guys soaked up minutes earlier. Forty two from Drew Holiday, forty five from Chris Middleton, and again to go ten for twenty with a rough two for six deep, rough by his standards performance, uh, eight assist one turnover in 45 minutes like every single one minute every single one of his minutes is one less for one of the guys that we all cringe at when they do just about anything it's it's huge it's massive at this level at this point so just credit to both of those guys for playing a ton and not letting that diminish their effectiveness that much no yeah for sure we've just we've seen a total transformation in these in this team in terms of like minute load and how they're able to handle it and also, there's just no excuse going forward <laughs> just yep. for guys playing this many minutes because now they've shown like, oh, yeah, we can not only do it, but we can excel while doing that. But, yeah, getting back to Drew Holiday, just Jordan, you were talking about what he was doing on the offensive end being so in sync. The Hawks' literal game plan was to have the guy who was not being guarded by Drew Holiday bring the ball up the Court. Yep. Like, they were like, uh, it was Stephanie Reddy who was talking to Nate McMillan about that. Just like, 
Oh, yeah, we've got uh, Kevin Herter, Lou Williams, Bogdan Bogdanovich out there. Whoever Drew is not guarding, we will have them bring the ball up the floor. Like, yep, that's a strategy. That's how impactful he is on both ends. This guy, it, it may not look great. Like, what? Sure, 9 of 20 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 25 points. But he still has 13 assists like we've been talking about, a steal, only two turnovers. He just makes absolute winning plays, plays winning basketball. I sound so cliche while saying this, but it's incredible. Like, this is a Milwaukee Bucks starting point guard doing this in the postseason. That the play that he like, I think it was Herder. He just like picked him up right from the get go off the inbounds pass and just stripped the ball away. For it was like Kawhi, like just he just look. It, it was like he, he did that to Lou Williams. I know. Anyway, did he do it twice? He, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was Lou. The Lou Williams one Lou. is like yeah. literally. I thought Lou Williams should have just you know <laughs> sat down on the court. Taking his shoes off and retired grab, there, and grab then, some because it was wings. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was actually embarrassing for someone who is like a really skilled guard, a really skilled guard has had the ball in his hands for his entire NBA career, and Drew just literally and played with Drew, played with played Drew. with Drew as well. Yeah, did Drew they just really plucked, plucked it away? Yeah, yeah Philly. Philly. Oh wow, yeah. They uh, there's a great quote about this from TJ McConnell of all people. Have you guys seen this? I feel like it didn't. Was that, that the Reddit podcast or something? I think it might have been. Yeah, I think it was actually. It would make sense that JJ would want to talk about Drew, but um, <laughs> he was like, "Guys, don't pluck it for me," which it just sounds funny, like TJ McConnell. But it's true. I mean, he doesn't turn the ball over very much at all. He's like a really strong assist to turnover guy. But I just I love that he had just like the he just was like, "Guys, don't take the ball from me." And I was like, "It's true. It's just funny." Um, but he's like Drew, man. Like I had to stop playing around with Drew because he'll just he'll just take it away, and that's the physicality on both ends. I mean, you mentioned Jordan. Like was it the first play of the game? He just steamrolls steamrolls a defender for two, and it wasn't a defender. It was Bogdan Bogdanovich, who I think is like one of I want to say he even did that to defenders. Capella a few times too tonight. Yeah. Like that's crazy. <laughs> that's so just not wrong. Like it's ridiculous and. Bogdanovich is a guy where I'm like, oh, he's good at getting steals. He's a bothersome defender. I was worried he was going to harass Chris a little bit. And the game starts with Drew just saying, like, I'm just going to put you under the basket and we're going to get two points now. And that that was the tone for the whole game was, like, doesn't have to be pretty, doesn't have to be a quote-unquote great shot. Like, we're going to work the ball inside and score enough for you to not win the game. And that's what they did. Yeah, I thought a really impressive Drew Holiday performance – I don't know if we've still gotten a shooting variance game. I guess three for eight from deep from him is probably as good as it might get. Well, it's pretty I good. I, I I actually think this is something that's kind of interesting. It feels like in the way a lot of books fans are viewing him, where he's like, I saw a reply to you, not to blast someone. I don't even know who it was, so I can't even call them out directly. But if you're listening, I guess I'm kind of blasting it, <laughs> like compa- comparing them and saying Bledsoe was better. It's like, oh my god, who, who, who are these people? Thing. Who 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 thinks this? And I want they, just, just the idea that Game Five against the Heat last year over and over again. He's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, but you could just basically pick any game that Eric Bledsoe has ever played in the playoffs. I'm sorry, but that's really. I tried my for... hardest not to say. <laughs> I like it's it's just uh, I don't like saying that because I always liked 
bled as a you know, guy on the team and clearly very popular. I always feel bad when I say it, but look, you know, the record speaks for itself. But I, I think part of the problem with Drew is, and there seems to be this feeling, again, it comes, it's similar to the Chris thing, where it's like, if he doesn't do it every single game, people are like, what's his deal? Like, his deal is that he's not Giannis. You know, I yeah. think there's part of this is that we've just got used to, oh, you know, this is a standard someone can play to. Now, someone is like one of four players on the planet who can do that with consistency. But it's like if Drew has a night where he's not making lots of jumpers or where, in fact, he's kind of like one of nine, yeah, that's not just – that's like that's who he is. He's not the world's best jump shooter. I mean, but he is capable. Was. He is capable of a game where the shots do fall, which is, you know, all of the difference for Bledsoe, aside from everything else that's there. But he, I think – him and Chris, it's fascinating. I'm so happy for them that they came up with it in this game. Like, if the books get to the finals and look, whatever might happen from there, there's so much that's still up in the air, depending on Giannis. But like, this will this will live on. You know, they need one more win to make it live on. But what Brooke did, what Drew did, what Chris did. Like, again, I'll speak from experience. And Jordan, I know you'll back me up. But Ty, you've done some of this too. But Jordan and I have combed through this franchise's history. And it's like, what are the moments that deserve to be immortalized that actually get remembered, that carry on? And it, it's stuff like this. It's your mm-hmm. best player. Your two-time MVP is not there. And lots of guys who they've been up and down. Some of them struggled. And they all come good at once to get the win. Like, that is the stuff of legends. I don't want to say anything about, you know, what jerseys could be retired off the back of games one, like one, this. 1-1. One, one. I, I know one that won't be off it. the back of this game, but, yeah. you know, that's that's for Every another time. Yeah. I um, actually know, to be fair, um, without actually digging into that conversation again, I think Pac grew into this game, and that was quite important because Bryn was so bad, like... Pat is definitely also getting a helping hand throughout these playoffs by just like seemingly being like able bodied and steady. Like, he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Like being fine he just is does his job. Like, and it's like yeah. they don't have other guys. I guess Tanasis did his job tonight, which was to average more than a foul per minute played. Truly incredible. Because I think he could have had a chance at real minutes, but instead he was like, nah, I'm just gonna go out here and foul. The one on Capella was smart. The other is not yes. as much. He did generate two extra possessions as well in his three minutes. That is the he should have missed one shot, then it would have been perfect. But one steal, three fouls generates two extra possessions in three minutes. That is that's that's the way I'll remember the Nassus from this season for sure. Um the second most trustworthy bench player in this game. This Absolutely. Is at least you know where you're going to get with him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't and know. Never... Elijah Bryant looked pretty good in those 39 seconds. <laughs> I, I did genuinely think, like, he took the ball the court once, I think, and I was like, looks a lot better than Teague. We saw more from him <laughs> than we saw from Forbes or Teague. We have that Knicks game that we could always hang our hat on and be like, unleash point the Nassus. Let's do it. I, I honestly, like, going forward, if they do, if Giannis is out again and there is a point in the game where there's into foul trouble or anything, and particularly, like, if the idea is that Tanasis can give you some of those, you know, just quick couple of minutes for relief, well, that's not going to work because he's going to end up in foul trouble in that time. But I, I really would go with Bryant over Teague because I think with the size yeah, as well, easily. it's you just, 
it it's going to fit into your switching so much more naturally. Putting Teague out there when he's just not doing anything productive offensively, he's actively hurting you offensively. He's going to hurt you defensively. I I say go, you know, go with the size. Weapon, weaponize your size, right? This is, size. this is uh this is one of those games where the box score lies to you. I don't know where three assists came from. I'd have to watch the tape. I won't watch the tape because I might pop a blood vessel. It's a bad game. It was a terrible game. Don't rely on the box score. Run the tape. It's very fast. It's four minutes of pure hell. But you know, Adam, I'm not huge on Elijah Bryant. Sorry, Jordan. But you just I, I feel like you haven't sure. you haven't been let me think of a better way to say it than I was, because that would have been, you know, a Ty Windish-esque piece of phrasing. But yeah, you haven't been won over yet. Or you haven't yeah. seen you haven't seen well, what yeah, you need that, to see. That's, that's you haven't banged anti- summer league like that. That's the only summer league basketball like that I've selectively decided to keep in my brain. Hey, the Bucks are one known July games in their history. Look at that. Advanced. I just statistics. checked the tape, oh. by the way. Jeff T has one assist. How does he one? You pulled up all his minutes that quickly. He, he probably went. Through, I'm guessing you went through the assists themselves. Yeah. Were they oh. generous assists? Because uh, I was gonna say when you said three assists, I was like, what? Yeah. Two of and also, he's a plus zero, but that did not feel And the like one that. assist that he was a true assist was him passing to Bobby Portis in the corner with one second left on the shot clock, and Bobby just had to chuck it up. The other two, he just he's on the wing. He passes it to Chris, who gets in his own dribble package and pulls up. And then another one is same pass to Bobby, who does his own stuff and drives and gets a running hook. So those are fake assists. Yeah. Um... It was, bad. It was a prudering Jeff <laughs> He is on, still on the books, I'd like to point out. We maybe yeah. yeah. We're we're if he didn't play, but let's roof for him a little. I'm just saying I'm just saying what happened. I just I'm I seeing don't, what I don't I'm, want to the... oh, trust me, Ron. I've been saying what I've been seeing for multiple episodes. <laughs> Not everyone agrees with it, but I understand where it's coming from. Um so let's assume just for the sake of not getting too optimistic. They have to get through a game six without Giannis. I was about to say, should we talk about Giannis? We haven't talked about Giannis. Yeah, we can. We can I mean, this one's different, though. It, it's tradition. No, I know. It is <laughs> yeah. tradition for us to forget and only talk about him at this point. But yeah, this is the time to talk about Giannis. Yeah, I mean, uh, the tape is walking gingerly. I think people are trying to read into that. It's probably just trying to be careful at this point. I think there's a chance he plays in this series. A pretty solid chance. I think if it gets to seven, he's playing. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. My theory, like going in, uh, Ty, when we did the uh, did the emergency pod, we like my, my reasoning still stands in that if you win game six, you should st- or win game five, which they did, you should hold him out for game six. Just see. I think that's. I w- I want to say that's what they did. The Hawks did with Trey Young today. If they I don't know. Just did you see him grimacing? Trying oh, to I did. Through? Like I, I don't know. And and even the reports were that he kind of called that because my assumption when like Jim Azarski or whoever, when you saw videos from inside Vicer form and people showing him out, like oh, he's out there going through stuff already. He's gonna play. And then when he didn't, no, Jordan, no, 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 no. That like I was gonna say, like it looked right away that he looked. Bad. It was like how Giannis looked. Uh, ahead of game five against the Heat last year. Whereas, like, why would you even play him? 
Yeah. He's not close. Yeah, he did, but he doesn't look next game close either. Like, I honestly don't know how much closer he necessarily is than Giannis. Like, True. Giannis, it, to read into Giannis's movement, I think, is, is kind of crazy because he wasn't doing a whole lot of walking. Even he was doing mm. a lot of standing in place. Now, when he did walk, there was, I didn't really see any kind of pronounced limp, which no. just to like reflect on, he really is a freak of nature. It <laughs> is just, it is unbelievable. How, how is he in like one piece after that? I That's... was honestly like the first thing when they posted him walking into the game, I was like zooming in on his legs and I was like, is he wearing baggy pants to like hide some sort of a brace? How yeah. is he not in a brace? He was wearing like joggers and then you, there you could see nothing. I was like, is he yeah. really just completely unassisted? Like, really? Like, there was wow. that, there was that, I don't know that piece like five years ago or something, oh, yeah. but like about his body and his it's Achilles like, Achilles are like 25 feet long. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, he is a, sorry for the pun, freak of nature. Like, this yeah. is what his body is literally just this massive anomaly my, my question was when, when the report came out that it's like you know no structural damage found to the ligaments i was like are they sure they found ligaments did they like, do the right knee are there, are there even ligaments in there at this point because Is there's a good few times like adamantium or something yeah there's, there's a good few times where it's like oh yeah this is it this is the time over the years like we've had multiple yeah. occasions where it's like this is the bad one yeah, and never obviously more so than the other night, but it's just truly incredible. He is unlike any other player in the NBA. Yeah, another way he's unlike any other player in the NBA. My guy was inactive for this game, by the way. Like, even if let's say he wanted to, he could not. He was listed as inactive. He was still in full full warm ups at everything. Yeah, <laughs> like my guy. Was That's like incredible. was Trey wearing his own branded T-shirt? Was, I think he has is a good logo. I'll, I'll give him that. Is that yeah, his it, logo? I, I think yeah, it is. It yeah. definitely it looked like Ty. It looked Ty. Oh, is, so I was. Thank you. I was assuming that's what it was. Which I mean, yeah, good for you. But also, yeah, when Giannis is just there in team warmups on the other side, it's. You know, Giannis, I'm not. I'm not going to say too much about it. Giannis is at. Fastest, the second member of the 2020-21 Milwaukee Bucks to wear his own new shoe. Yeah, PJ Tucker PJ. busted him out in game four before they were even released. And this game, PJ Tucker somehow had special Nikes made for Pau Gasol to match Kobe's Grinches for Christmas. It's just like, how? Where? What? Like... PJ Tucker's shoe game is just impeccable, but it maybe got he's us. got Pau Gasol's old locker. <laughs> you just found him in there. Yeah, yeah you're in there. The yeah. <laughs> Pau was in the back as George did. He was peering over seats, <laughs> like he's been there all along. Uh, he just, you know, they'd be having team uh, meetings, and he just peers above things, and they're like, "Is that is that Pau in the corner again?" I just, I'm so happy the Bucks finally got this kind of esteemed vet but this one can actually play like the difference is so striking like usually they pick up a guy of pj tucker's esteem at that age and they come into town and play 15 games it's like oh they just don't have it and then they're getting fed looks in the playoffs for some seconds shout out to steve novak (laughs) you know the, the only other and there's actually just two different things that this player came to my mind tonight and i just kind of wish 
timing had aligned differently and he could be a part of this team. I mean, he could, yeah, he could probably, he could probably get 15 minutes ahead of Teague, like, um, if he wanted to to join right now. Jason Terry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I saw a tweet again. I'm sorry. It just saw it in passing. I don't know who it was. If you're listening, you're not getting blasted. This is a good for you. Someone, <laughs> someone asked, you know, like when's the last time the books had an energy player, like comparable to Bobby Portis. And obviously the energy comes in different ways, but in terms of, He's... you know, do positive things and energize the building. The bees different. There's definitely energy involved, yes. but it's different, different energy. Um, jet though, jet yeah. in terms of like getting a whole building, just yep. like Brooke Lopez had 33 points tonight. He was doing his encore interview with TNT, and all you could hear is chance of Bobby. Like, which great. Bobby was great, but that's Jet is the last player I can remember yeah. that you'd have that kind of thing. And Jared Dudley before him. I don't Jared think Dudley was a great presence and he played well, but I don't know if it was he wasn't a crowd raiser. No, I don't no. I don't think so. I don't think he had he had that one game um or he made the, the pass that led to maybe the best call. That's yeah. Yeah, it was actually that was the interview he gave where and it was after that game where he really got everyone into it. And he was like, Yeah, let's come back here, and we know what happened yeah, from yeah. there. So yeah, well, the the influence of Dudley on the remainder of that series. Was... But if you could take what was that sixteen seventeen Jet and put him on this team, oh my God, there this series. He'd be playing thirty one minutes. That's <laughs> where game, that's where we're at. I mean, Jason Kidd played with thirty one. Yeah, minutes. I was just played... about to say he played thirty one minutes then too. <laughs> Tim no, to your point of seventy in this game. To your point of PJ Tucker, like I think I said it when they got him, like. Marvin Williams walked so PJ Tucker could yeah. run. Like it was just the right timing and right everything. And I obviously he's not a scorer. He's not anything that you his game is all hustle and grit and all that stuff that you know we love in a kind of more like non-traditional way. But like he was just massive and just like it's it's again we're at the bare bones of just where the Bucks are in terms of what they can play and actually have like positive impact players on the floor, and it you just didn't bat an eye when he was on the floor at all. I mean, even that transition play where he's bringing up the ball, it was like a two on one. It was him and Bobby, and I'm just like, this is the greatest transition play of all time. Like, it is incredible. It was, I was on the edge of my seat, being like, how is this going to end? Only and why is the, it going to be the Zaza fast break. Like rivals that of just like what is going on right now. That was a fast breaks were dynamite. Yes, they were like one point four points per possession or something. That's not a real stat, but I'm yeah. sure you believed it. Everyone is doing the time. It took one point four. Yeah, they covered the court. You know, one point four seconds. Second wow. per step. Can I extend your your Marvin walks so PJ could run? Does that mean that Miritich crawled so Marvin could walk so? PJ I think Miritich run. crawled backwards so that people knew to go forward. <laughs> but I actually do think, and this is the only positive thing I will ever say about Nikola Miritich, the books learned by, you know, by all of that, by that deal, by and how the badly worst that went. Possible. That, but that wasn't, 
that wasn't the forward they needed to add because they've always yeah. needed the forward depth. That did get them to look for a Marvin Williams type. It's like, oh yeah, sure, he can make some trees, but more importantly, what will he do defensively? Like there, that is a gradual progression from what they once thought they needed to then getting to the point where it's like, well, no, if we can get PJ Tucker or a player in that mold, not that there are many in that mold, but that's yeah, the thing. Nice. I do think we've seen the lessons learned from the last time the books were in the conference finals. They just gradually, very gradually uh, got to the point where they are so, with PJ. So to recap that, the one positive thing you have to say about Nikola Mirotic is... He was so bad that we eventually got here. to the opposite because you were so bad. That's the positive thing. Like... Uh, uh, if I was to so mention George what my Santa. favorite thing about Bobby Portis is, you know. You talk about doing the opposite. They went from punchy to puncher, and there's a whole exactly. different energy on the exactly. team now. I, I felt like no one was getting that, but oh, yeah, that's Ty was there. Thanks, Ty. When they first signed him, I was like, Bucks fans are going to love this guy. Yeah, like, I, I love really that about him. Positive history given <laughs> some players in, in franchise pa- uh, past, but no, what I was going for. Remember when Miritich said he started complaining? Sorry, I really no, shouldn't no. be there out of this. But just after he signed for Barcelona and fled the NBA, when he was complaining that the books weren't giving him enough shots at the end of games, Jordan remembers. Oh, I know. Wait, it, stuck, it stuck across. It stuck in your craw. Oh, it really like... did. I, I wrote it up at the time. I'll, I'll get the exact <laughs> quote now, but he did. He, he oh wasted no time at all in going to the media and in a different country, complaining, different, yeah, just complaining out of here first. I'll never forget. He was all set to sign in Utah, Utah. And he, that's why Dennis he, Lindsay quit. Somebody tweeted the, the, Bucks raps tape, and he said, "I can't. I'm, I'm just going to leave the country instead." He never came back. I, I feel like that. I have this recently. Is there? Can I give the quote? Oh yeah, yeah. Go. I, I feel like this is important for just yes. how far we've come. You know, if anyone's like, "Oh, Giannis is Giannis might be out and feeling down," it's like, "Oh, might just struggle past." But this was two years ago, right? Nikola Mirotic fled the Bucks and the NBA to say this. I quote. In my last season, I knew what the team expected of me. My role was always the same. I was a player who was open to take the shots, who made a pick and pop among the big guys. Okay, the big guys, good usage of that. I was expected to score 10 points, take a couple of rebounds, and that's it. I felt the time was passing and I had not played the best basketball in my life, although it was very good. As soon as I didn't feel that joy and happiness to improve, I said it was time to go back and do something bigger in Europe. For me, the most important thing has always been enjoying the game, being happy, an important piece, trying to win the titles. And if I'm not in that environment, I don't care about all the money. I'm going away. I need challenges to feel important and take the last shot. Just incredible. What a lack of self-awareness. I'm sorry. I brought marriage. Just like it's red rag to a bull, which is literally, I think, what happened with Bobby Portis and him, but mm-hmm. he went into witness protection and was never seen again. So he said he left a team that was two wins away from going to the NBA Finals to have a bigger role because he wanted to go win titles. Yeah, and he doesn't I mean, care he, about money. It's just he needs challenges to feel important and take the last shot. Not even shots late in game, the last shot. You reach, he mirror teach. 
<laughs> that one might have been off. You don't win them all. No, no, certainly. That's Sometimes you sign. We had the Kevin Herter one earlier. We got exactly. It bounces out. You he won it. the Kevin Herter one. Yeah, we'll allow that. So the Bucks won that game two against the Raptors by 22 points. Miritich plays 23 minutes. They were plus two in those minutes. I he love how this is devolved into just what crappy. Nikola he Mirotic. deserves it. Is there really oh, a better way to I'm honor not... Bobby Portis than this? Like, no, this exactly. is the ultimate, right you know. All along. People, oh, red flag, red flag. I don't know. I see the, I see, I see the reasoning. But where I was going before we got to all of this, Miritich. Um, who's going to play in game six? So we all, we all, High on Giannis being able to come back because he's literally not human in the best possible way. But game six might feel like a stretch. I assume you don't touch the starting lineup. I think all the minutes there are good. I think you're going to have to rely on those guys. There's going to have to be some sort of bench. Someone's going to play. There's, someone's got to play. I think This is where – and this this probably brings us into some of the bud stuff, which you flagged up earlier, where it's like you know there is some bad there. But I know you did mention on the post game four, like this is like there's no there's no good choices here. There's not it, a this isn't like you know a couple of years ago like just run the Chris Giannis pick and roll. It's right there. Nothing is right there with this bench rotation. There's mm-hmm. no there's no silver bullet that's like oh this is clearly the right thing to do. It's brutal out here. I I mean the only thing is like I guess. It's just too much to look to like a rookie like Jordan Mora. I I don't know if it should be considering what you're getting, but I'm I'm guessing that's the feeling. And I it's easy to kick back against that, but I I don't know. I really yeah, don't know. There'd I'm be a better feel in a locker room about that. I have no idea, given how little he played even late in the season, some of his injuries that might just be a little bit too wild. And it's the kind of thing that we'd all be quite happy to see him over Teague. If that went bad though, like you'd absolutely get killed for just like dropping a rookie in to game six of a conference finals. I mean, uh, it's just, there's there's no good options. What they need is path to play maybe more than his 21 minutes, be a little bit better. They've got to keep playing Forbes. Like he's, yeah, you just have to really bad, and uh, they're gonna have to keep playing him. I don't know if they do. I think you could sell me on you bump Pat up to around thirty, and then you play. I guess you're gonna you run out of options. Have I you mean, got a seventh man? Like I just, I think, I think we're at uh, Elijah Bryant territory. Thanasis. Or Thanasis. I Thanasis. Split, it, split it with him. Thanasis is the seventh man, but he's only yeah, going to be yeah. there for two minutes. Bump so. Thanasis yeah. up expeditiously from three to four minutes. And that leaves you like five <laughs> for a lot Matches time. minutes when fouls, Gallo yeah. is not on the floor because he's just a foul magnet. It's like... Do they, yeah. do they have do they have beef from like international play or something? It feels <laughs> like... Thanasis <laughs> <it. laughs> no, has beef I mean, with I mean, everyone he walks yeah. on the floor with. I was going like, to say, like, it feels like any international player, he's like, let's go. Like he did yeah. with Luca. He did it with Ignas Brzezikas way actually, back, remember? Yeah, he yeah. might, Jordan. What, what's the name of that? Is it the Acropolis tournament? Yes. Like, Italy were in that last year when Tanasis was playing. So I don't know if Gallo, Gallo yeah. might be injured. Yeah. Well, it's not even last year. It might be two years ago now. But they they definitely will have come up against each other at international level at some point. And yeah. I yeah. see where the disdain for some of these specific guys come from. Or it could just be like, 
you know, like when Dante looked at Tyler Harrow and was like, no way, dude. Like, You're I'm taking Croce on my corner. Yeah, like, come <laughs> exactly. on, man. Like, those two guys had some battles, man. That was one of my this favorite. This town isn't big enough for the both of us. It's literally <laughs> what's on, up man. with it. Like, Get out of here, Whitnell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I think I think yeah, you just need more for and Pat wasn't terrible. It was a bad Pat game, but he wasn't terrible. And uh, that's that's why Pat, Pat played. His little dribble drive was pretty nifty. He's kind of finishing these days, I feel like. Call him bad Connaughton, because that is that was quite the move. Back on track. There we go. <laughs> he's also he's he's really good at just making those kind of disguised passes inside the extra pass to Brook almost yeah, always, yeah, yeah. which is just a simple thing. But again, I feel like a lot of players, basically every other player on the bench, will probably be like, "Oh yeah, I've got the ball. I'm under the rim. I'm just going to try and go up, and they get blocked." Maybe that's he, your your third point guard right there. I, I know I made a joke about it before, but it's like I trust Pat to make passes that Jeff Teague was generously huh. given assist for tonight. Pat <laughs> is absolutely the third ball handler of the players because, like, you could laugh at that. I, Rohan's eyes went wide, but I'm the box score in front <laughs> of me and I looked down. So, is it PJ Tucker? No, definitely not in tonight's evidence. Didn't go I think well it's the a couple of times. He's just not going to be on I'm the saying, floor. Just Jordan, you, mentioned this, you mentioned this earlier, Jordan. We have one game of Point Thanasis, and it was the greatest game of all <laughs> That's time. That's true. I mean, if they wanted Thanasis, to, they'd have to reverse things as to how they have been, and they might have to sub him out for defense. So Thanasis just comes in for offensive possessions. But that might be the only way. It might be a workable solution, given how the Bucks play tonight. Yeah. Why not? Try it out. See what happens. Um, no, I think... Pat is probably the third best initiator who played in this game for the Bucks. It's not Teague. It's not Forbes. People talk about this team's one game away from the finals, and Pat Connaughton is the third best well, initiator. They are. He's. I know. I know healthy. who's missing. Yeah, I know who's missing comfortably if they're healthy. But that's Dante's missing, uh, right. I don't. I'm not saying it's comfortable <laughs> between four and five. I'm really not. <laughs> The variance is much greater for Dante, but I mean, clearly, is his median ball handling is these. They try to make him a point guard. What's the? What's they the tried. Yeah. You know? <laughs> hey, I'm I'm with you there. I don't Congratulations, we can miss you Dante tried. Without just making stuff up. <laughs> what am I making up? Ty, we we would, we would hate it if he was there it. and he was doing it. Is yes. I think is part of the thing. There's yes. probably. I would also I would hate it if I mean if they gave, put the ball in Pat's hands the way they put the ball in Dante's hands on purpose we would hate that a lot more too. Pat like, the, the, moves the ball around the perimeter and makes a pass like yes, we, remember absolutely. we did see Wesley Matthews like try to drive against like don't bam. bring him up I've already got to go through Meritage don't get me started on how are the Lakers doing are they still the. Uh. Um, Dante, though, Dante is actually like the classic case of absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's the story of his book's career. His oh, his know. stock yeah. soared as yeah. a rookie when he couldn't play. And then it's like, everyone's whispering about Dante. <laughs> and then, you know. Podcast from Adam here. No, it's yeah, not, I don't know what that's about. I don't love Dante DiVincenzo as a ball handler. There's plenty of evidence on the pod and on Twitter. Because he's not. That he found. <laughs> yeah, because he's not. He was very first round. upset. Very yeah. upset. I compared his play to Kevin Hart in the celebrity game once. He was not thrilled with that. And I get <laughs> Oh, it. that's why you're being nice yeah. about him. But you don't want to what, come at you on Twitter again. 
No, I I welcome it. I've offered. I'll oh. talk to him on the podcast about it. I nah, stand that's by different. The tape. See, that's I, I support that as part yeah, of the yeah, podcast. I, mean, I support that. Yeah, but I mean, I'll do more Twitter exchanges too. I'm down for whatever. But <laughs> I'm not saying the. I just think it's like he's better, but also he's he wants to do and is asked to do way more in that particular thing. Like, you know. I, I can't even think of a good analogy. It's just like, it's just that just try to force it so hard. Like mm-hmm. if he played the Pat role, I think he would be such a good role player. Like he could be super Pat in a lot of ways, but he does not do that. I, I think the one thing though, with Dante that is worth bringing up is, you know, for all of the talk of, Oh, the books was such an easy run. And it's like Kyrie got injured and it's, you know, you just start listing off. They're in a position where they're trying to close out the conference finals down two of their five starters. Like yeah. and one of those being obviously, you know, their very best player. And the other one being at the position they have the absolute least depth at, which is for like sure guards who can function on both ends, which they're down to one of those if you count. I think Pat just guards who can forward. function. Also, that's that. really a forward. We're just having to make do with oh, him yeah. being a guard. Like, that's the thing. So they have zero of those not named Drew Holiday. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe Elijah Bryant. We'll see. But Maybe. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's I don't think you go six-man yet, six-man rotation, like Game 7 Brooklyn. I don't know. I'm interested to hear if anyone disagrees. I mean, it's a closeout game, it, though. It is a closeout game, and we don't know as much as the team does about Giannis. Maybe you try harder if you don't expect him in Game 7. You just go for both games more equally. But I think you might wait for that to trim it down that much either way for Game 7. And you'd hate to be out of gas by the time you get back to Milwaukee. If yeah. if they were to win, how much of a lead like runway would it be to the start of the finals? Do we know? Not much. I don't think it changes actually because it would be the they July get an extra 6th. couple of days. So yeah, but this finals would start two days earlier. If there's not oh, a okay. game seven, the finals start two days earlier. I'm, I don't know if that's entirely confirmed, but it's pretty confirmed. Oh, July the sixth. Yeah, sixth versus eighth. I think so. It actually doesn't matter at all. I mean, the thing with this is. There is the idea of, you know, oh, well, they've got home court, game seven. You can close it out and get there if you lose game six. Do Does Russell anyone? Does, Reggie Miller style. But does does And no. <laughs> <laughs> no, does anyone want to see, like, you know, win or go home? Would it spot the finals on the line? Like, it, no, things have no. gone badly, very badly. I don't need to remind anyone of game four. Like and it was going badly with Giannis there. I personally believe they would have come back and won it, and things had started to pick up early in the third. But you know, the reality is the Hawks could have said similar things about where they were in the third quarter. This one I didn't turn. Like so, you could easily have Giannis back, and particularly if he's not one hundred percent, which he's not going to be, and you could lose your game seven at home. So. I mean, that's also where maybe for him and within the team, it's going to get interesting because if you're in a position where you're prepared to play him in game seven and he's prepared to play in game seven, I don't know how much of a difference there's really going to be that's going to rule him out of game six. Yeah. Because yeah, you want to actually have your two your two shots at clinching or are you making it one shot? Now, the other side is we've seen this team can go and do it. So hopefully that happens. Giannis doesn't have to play. And if he's good to go, the next time we'll see him will be the finals. But it, it is something 
I have to say, needing one win from two games brings out all kinds of books anxiety for me. It's <laughs> like it's that is the kind of thing that just spooks me. It's like yeah. that maybe they'll be just a little bit relaxed to start game six. It will get away from them quick. And then all of a sudden it's all riding on game seven. Like they yeah. need to find the game five start to come out in game six. And I don't think have they had they have not they, started they, well. They haven't in started well in Atlanta at all. Yeah. So it would be nice to start doing that in game six. And, to- and that was the same one with Brooklyn too. Yeah. The the first what three games in Brooklyn, they started terribly. Uh, well, they weren't great to start game seven either. Were I mean, I thought it was okay, but it's not like they took a roaring lead that they held or anything. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying punt game six, by the way. I just, no, no, I know you're not, of course. Full, 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 full. Like, but yeah, you're not going to, you know, oh, we need to sit somebody. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, you do. His name is Jeff Teague. But um, I still think you need to try probably a seventh and eighth if you want to count the Gnosis guy in that game just to not have everyone just keel over. I do wonder if if Giannis is truly ready-ish, by ready by game six, maybe you just like either toke him, start him, or bring him off the bench and just try to like ease him in, use game six to ease him in. And then game seven, maybe he's a little more ready to go, ease him in slash test it out again. Like if he's feeling ready and the thought process is like, we don't want to overdo it game six, but game seven is game seven. I do think probably the happy medium is you still, again, you're not punting either way. I'm not going full Reggie Miller here, but. No, but have him active. Like yeah, most of the guys who are active aren't going to play. So yeah. if, if he can play and if it's a matter of there's 10 minutes in him, like yeah. where you, you find like whatever, two, three minutes a quarter, or if it's even just, you know, late in the game, it's like all of a sudden Giannis is on the floor and the Hawks are like, well, okay. Now, now we have to worry about something entirely different again. I, I like it's such a tough balance, and obviously, all yeah. of you have talked about this more than me. I wasn't on the the post game four pod or the emergency pod that the both of you did, but it's like on the one hand, you just find yourself you're talking yourself into it because you see where he is and everything is it's so close, it's so close, and if you get there, you don't know what happens. On the other hand if you're just a tiny bit too careless, like yeah. what if disaster that's just being averted, it strikes then, you know, you could play him game six. He could go down with a catastrophic injury. You could lose game six and game seven. And all of a sudden you're not in the finals and he's out for next season, you know, which is, I mean, on the one hand, it's what it looked like. It could have been a couple of days ago, but on the other hand, having moved past that, I would like to never go back to that particularly dark place again. Yeah, it's, he's got to be truly ready. I said ready-ish. He's got to be truly ready if you do that. But I do think there's value. And the other thing, you said 10 minutes. If he plays 10 and Pat plays four more, then you can cut out that seventh guy. It's Giannis, Pat, the starters, and you know four minutes of the other Atetokounmpo. Is that Giannis in this situation? <laughs> no, it's his uh, not-younger brother, Thanasis. <laughs> way to put it. Uh- yeah, you just you just have to be as cautious as you possibly can. You just I know they have to take context into I mean, like they don't have to, obviously, but it's impossible not to take context into play here. It's just it's such a hard balance. That's yeah. that's the real answer here. It's an impossible decision to make for both ends. 
it's just one thing is going to happen, obviously. Like, that's how time works. <laughs> but who knows if that's going to be right or not? Can, can I ask you? You might have some insight because, you know, well, Ty, Jordan, and I do not. Um, I do read medicalnewstoday.com. <laughs> Um, so there's no there's no ligament damage Correct. we've been told what is he dealing with is it swelling like pretty it's... significant swelling and soreness is that really what we're talking about if he's got a hyperextension there's no ligament damage I'm assuming like we I, I don't think there's like any kind of muscle damage or anything around that because it would be a strange way for it to be reported as oh there's no ligament damage but you know the surprise is going to be there is in fact muscle damage. So are we really talking about swelling and some soreness and just that getting to a point that's manageable? Is that likely the position that they're in? Realistically, plus there could be some sort of like I know we talked about this like he's had a joint capsule sprain before that kept him out before the bubble before the shutdown. There's just you could be dealing with. I don't. It's it's so weird because they've reported it as just you know a hyperextension, but that could mean so so mm-hmm. many different things. It's a vague it be, way of it's very it. vague. It could be like a bone bruise or something with the cartilage or anything. And couldn't another couldn't factor in this be if the calf strain he had is still actually a factor too? Because then you're putting more strain just generally. Like I mean, that was one of the things that I know when I woke up to the worst news in the world after game four, and I was like, oh, that's not kind of great. I mean, it may be more likely if it was a hamstring or something he's playing with, but if that that's like, if he had a calf strain that they were kind of managing two days ago, we don't have reason to believe that that's completely going to have healed itself either. And, and there could be a cumulative effect of all of that just in terms of his readiness and how he's feeling. Yeah, for sure. Like that, it all plays together because it's all one system, realistically, in terms of your lower extremity and how your knee connects and all of that fun stuff. It could be, it's just so many, so much things. It could be something as simple as bursa damage, which just causes inflammation. Like it, it's really, really vague on <laughs> the point of the bucks, which doesn't surprise me at all. It's how they do business. Yes. <laughs> but there's culture, baby. Yeah, at least it's not Sixers medical stuff. That's all I'll say. Uh, uh, But yeah, it could literally be anything. Fair enough. But no, it can't literally be anything. It cannot be ligament damage. (laughs) Yeah, which is the most important. That's the most important. Yeah. I think think he's going to find a way to play at some point. This series. I think from from what we've learned now and just... I think everyone on Bucks Twitter knows someone who knows someone who knows an electrician who just serviced a Bucks player's house who said something. I've been seeing a lot of a lot of these kind of reports. It's like how it was with the Supermax. It's like they just made a cake and they said Giannis is going to be signing and it says on the cake and they got enough frosting for it to be on the cake. Like that's where we're at in terms of just like how, where is he at in terms of his condition and how hard he is. This is like the J.R. Smith free agency rumblings again, just to bring that back for like the second time. He went to cops. He got the grasshopper fudge. (laughs) Maybe he just came to Milwaukee for that. That's always an option. We haven't considered that realistically. I saw, Maybe he just pull, wanted some cops. I'm going to pull an Adam here. I don't remember who tweeted it, but somebody said, 
Giannis sent another tweet. I don't like what that means for his status the rest of the playoffs. I feel like he's out of playoff mode. I was like, folks, come on. Like, yeah, we're we need to stop. Uh, he picked up his phone. He sent a tweet. It doesn't. His previous tweet disengaged. was, "I almost pooped." It was <laughs> yeah, after the Grizzlies game. So let's let's was kind that of the last tweet before this. Whole yes, it was. Yeah. It was in May. It like, shows 13. just how urgent it was. Um, exactly. This tweet, not the last. Ironically, one. that was everybody's but. mood after seeing Giannis go down. <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah. It's like it's not like baseball where if. If you if you go out of playoff mode to send a tweet, you can't go back yet. Sorry, Giannis, you're not allowed to play in the playoffs. Yeah, he's, he's not going to get Charlie Villanueva, you know, like sending a tweet <laughs> in at halftime. No, that is that is a deep cut from that grim, is. grim books. <laughs> yes. Was it like coach Wait, was he on the box when he did play hard? That was, yeah. that was when Scott Skiles was the coach. Can mm-hmm. you imagine? Of the all rage, the coaches. The yes. rage. I like, can see like the color of his face. I can imagine. I, I, if that, remember when? Okay, we're no. Let's do it. Do it, here. Jordan. No, do you remember that team meeting in Orlando where Jabari is like, "Yeah, I, I got." He's like, "I said some things, and I just got my ass handed to him myself." And then Jason Kidd was like, "Yeah, you're bench next game. We're not. You can never talk about anything going on in the house. That's why everything is so vague with Giannis and Steve right there." Was that the same game that uh, MCW was benched as well? Was that the one? I feel like that was in. No, no, that was not that one. That was. But that was another Jabari moment where Jabari had said something. He got benched Mm -hmm. and MCW also got benched. Look, the good times, you know, favorite. One win away from the NBA finals. Kind of seriously, right? This game, they were channeling a kind of, you know, tip my hat to Bobby Porras, an underdog mentality. Like, that was very... I really... I had a lot of fun. Like, Oh, yeah. It, it's it's one of the most enjoyable kind of games. For, you see someone like Brooke come up and lead scoring. Bobby has that kind of game. Drew and Chris both deliver as well. Okay, we can't... PJ was great on the boards and just great all around at doing PJ stuff. But, like, it, it's the closest thing for a couple of years we've got to a pluckier version of the books rather than this kind of you know, all conquering team that they have yep. been a lot of the time, not necessarily in the playoffs, but a lot of the rest of them. My favorite MCW memory. I, I saw it was on Instagram live a couple of years ago and I clicked into it and it's just like him showing a table or something. And you see some, something on the table and then you just hear, I think I showed them the weed and the Instagram <laughs> live cut an incredible moment that I happen to be tuned in for just, just, you know what? There's, I'm sure, some sort of allegory you could make there to uh, some other parts of MCW. I don't know. I don't know. Hope that the like, is there a, a statute of limitations? The NBA is there? Like, I or, would imagine the. I don't want to see Shams get, tweeting tomorrow that you know for MCW is being disqualified. I don't. Yeah, no. Did you, did you hear that, Adam? He posted a pic of him of MCW. MCW posted a pic of himself looking rather strong and he got drug tested the next day so i don't think they're going to send the guy back to his house for this podcast story <laughs> Not even um, this podcast it's his instagram yeah, yeah. I, gonna, I mean I, I think people were probably Source, aware before before i revealed it it wasn't like i was at the house um <laughs> i was at my house you were you were pulling a d'angelo russell let's <laughs> yeah, say. yeah i didn't ty you weren't the one behind the camera no <laughs> no, I was not. My other story I wanted to quickly. Sh- this is not even a story. Wow. It happened in the game. 
this is like a post championship. Like we're breaking out all of the stories. It's like remember when MCW showed weed on his Instagram story? <laughs> when when Miritich left the NBA because he wanted to take the last shot. It's like a, a greatest hits Retros- kind of going on here. We stopped um, talking about game five a lot. Chicken soup. I mean, this this is data to I'll leave that alone. This, this okay. is game five. PJ it is game Tucker five. At one point, grabs a defensive rebound and like snarls and slaps the ball and makes a face and passes it away and like struts up court. And it was like an uncontested defensive rebound. And it's like Portis is clearly the energy guy for on a lot of levels, partly partially because the fans have dubbed him such. But like PJ just brings like I think it's like almost like more team energy of like he always is playing like that and he's always just got that mentality like it's so huge. I mean, you talk about you know play styles and everything that's different between a guy like him and Miritich, but just like someone who has been there and who everyone. It's not like they were just on the team. I think the Bucks have tried that before. Like this guy was on the roster on a good team and it doesn't always matter. PJ Tucker is like a guy who like galvanizes really good teams. And it's just like, you can see it all the time. And I sort of laugh at him doing that, but I think you kind of need that energy with at least some guys on the team to just be like, like, no, like we're really good. And like, we're playing well and we're doing our thing and we're going to win this game. And I think that's why we see not just PJ with whole energy, but like they're more resilient now. The net series was a great example. I think this game, there was a couple moments that Hawks got close around halftime, both sides. And the Bucs were just like, no, we're going to keep doing our thing and win. And that's what they did. I actually think the interesting thing that you bring up there is this might be the first time the Bucs have a Bobby Portis and a PJ. Because PJ, I, I guess Portis is the guy who he brings the energy like that after he makes a great play. Yes. And that's the player who gets the crowd energized. That's the yeah. player who gets the building into it. PJ brings that energy into the play. It's like... Yeah. He's picking up his guy. He's got that energy. And I think over the years, the books have had guys who fit both of those molds, like at different times. They've never had both, though. They've never had <laughs> someone to bring it into the play and to kind of set a tone among the players just on this is our baseline energy level. And the guy who's going to get a kind of a sleepy crowd up on their feet and really bring, you know, an extra advantage to the team as well. All of this and when healthy. Also, Giannis, who. Does a lot of both too. Yep. It's a one team. of speaking of the uh, net series, one of Chris Paul, PJ Tucker, and Clint Capella is going to win a title this year. Mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that. Just leave it at that. And uh, it seems like we're getting a little down in the weeds here. But uh, Adam, I know you like stats at the end of podcasts. Sure. Uh, I like them more than ask, being asked for predictions, which didn't happen on the episode I was on. I'd like to know. <laughs> You're just setting so, yourself up for failure. No, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm abstaining because it wasn't asked when I wasn't here. But go on, stats. So, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Bobby Portis are the first quartet of Bucks to score twenty plus points in a postseason game since May fourth, nineteen eighty eight. Okay, Very can we guess? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, we got one. Who's ready? Eighty eight. Did you say? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Ricky Pierce. Terry Cummings. I said Terry Cummings. Alvin oh. Robertson. Nope. Oh. Too early. Moncrief. Was he still there? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was, but... yes. Oh. And it, Ricky Pierce did not get. Hmm. Oh, uh, Jack Thickman. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
There we go. <laughs> Did you say Jack Thickma? Thickma? Yeah, that's when he that's his name when he works out. <laughs> <laughs> or when he doesn't. Either way. That it, it works both ways. Yeah. It's either a C or a K. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love where we went with this podcast. I can't believe Rohan said we're in the weeds and nobody made an MCW. I was going to do it, but I didn't want to derail it. <laughs> this has been the most I didn't win want to six. abruptly turn off my Instagram live session after doing <laughs> This has been the most win in six crossover episode we've had yet. Maybe it's because, yeah. you know, maybe it's for the best that we're not here six. at all times. <laughs> yeah, well, they could win in six. They, they didn't well, chant that. They chanted books in six again, though, which yeah, I, hope my, going to. I hope my theory doesn't hold up that, you know, books in six results in, you know, them not actually winning in six. Yeah, hopefully. We'll find out. We'll see what happens. But we will talk to you after game six which you guys need to give score predictions for. Adam, you thought you were done. You thought you were done. You no, thought I, I was doing the outro. Ron, no, I'm done. You were doing the outro. Give me a score prediction. We, we have an Apple review too. I'll do mine first. 123, 112 bucks. <laughs> okay. Any do the review and Ron might forget. Any, any reason for that, Ty? Oh, God. It just came to me. Really? Did you just yeah. look at the box score? The reason is he wants the podcast to end. <laughs> no, we're also, doing this. It. Is this is my way of protesting the? Okay, the Jordan, channel. give me an actual score prediction. All right, let's go. I'm. Gonna, it's gonna be more of a slug fest, and not a snail fest, because that's his logo. Um, I'll go ninety nine, ninety one, Milwaukee. Ooh, okay, Adam. I will sit here. Did a review. Did a review, Ty. I will sit here. <laughs> I need someone to compile all these. Didn't did Adam say six four last time? Yes. I need I was gonna to go eight six these. this time. I mean <laughs> but I'll take, it. I'll take it. I'm gonna go one seventeen to one hundred. Are we all okay. taking bucks? Are we, are we all are, I was gonna say, I mean, this is the thing. It, you know, rather than just being forced to make actual score predictions. That make it, you know, particularly irritating and throw us off. Do we all do we think the books are gonna close this out in game six? Yes. I think they have a good yes. chance. Based on what do. we saw tonight, they should trust these bucks. New page. See Bobby Portis. He's a blue collar. Did you see his quote from tonight? No. No. It's a blue Milwaukee's a blue collar city, and I'm a blue collar oh, player. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. BP, that's a new acronym right there. Yeah. Just with a and little seat. coming. Coming to Milwaukee was the best decision of his career. Please stay. I, I think there's a chance. I think there's a real. I don't know. I I mean, chance. it's one of the seasons where it's like you appreciate. It's like Reggie Jackson. His thing last night was great. You talk about the Clippers and all that stuff. You appreciate it, them when they're here, and you hope for the best for them when after you win a title and they get paid. Handsome money. I think John Collins is going to take his money to do the same thing, but slightly less exciting. And I'm here for it. Less effective. I have, I, tweet, uh, I have a tweet lined up when oh. when they beat him, and it's a good one. It's a good <laughs> Rohan pointing the bat out to the outfield before he even steps up to the plate. I like it. Oh, I said Rohan, didn't I? Yeah, yeah you did. <laughs> It's time to end the podcast. Is right, what right. We have a five-star review. Catch yeah, yeah. Catch this is more right. important than predictions. Have I read one from Rock Lobster? I don't think no. so, right? It's good. It's I must have gone out of order on accident. But 
Rock Lobster. Five stars, of course. It only gets read of it. If you do less than five stars, like what? why? Just don't do that. Five-star review on Apple says, heck yeah, is a subject line. Perfect start. Quickly becoming my favorite way to get my Bucks fix. In a sea of garbage mainstream Bucks coverage, Eurostep give an honest fan's perspective and feels like listening to a friend talk about the team. Very cathartic. One of my favorite words to describe. You're welcome, podcast. friend. Thank you. Thank you, friend, Rock Lobster, <laughs> friend of the program. The reviews keep coming in, by the way. I was a little worried. We started with only new ones. I think you, did you, did you tease catalog? that one review? Was that? Um, never mind. No, I did that one before. No, we did, I did that, that one. On the, oh, on that's right. Pod. Hold on. I'm going to read that one for posterity. Um, you, you, I, oh, no. Oh, no. I read it. Okay. Jordan knows about this. I don't think Adam has heard this. Can people see how bright it is behind me here? <laughs> <I know. laughs> Shorty's Bombers. This is the second. Any more? Do you want to read all the reviews? You, Adam, trust me, you're gonna like this. Yeah, you okay. will. Go Bucks. Subject line. This is legitimately the first sentence. Adam has really smart insight and is the reason why I listen now. Rohan has really improved over the years and has matured as a podcast host. Actually, this is the sentence you're gonna like the most. Ty is hit or miss with me. Great <laughs> oh wow, this is great. From all. It's just fantastic. This from my Apple ID? Like, yeah, Jordy <laughs> Bombers, aka Adam. <laughs> um, that's a listen. It was five stars. I like it. Our miss of me too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we all knew your take on this. <laughs> I think that I think it genuinely was Adam who we left that review. Like he's, Adam he's have, playing Adam it off. Like, left oh. off Jordan. It's fitting, but Adam would not have done that. Oh, I, ta- fitting, I was about to say Ty knows me it. pretty well. I Jordan thought you were going to say it. Adam would never have left a review because that would have been the truth. <laughs> uh, we really are off the rails here. So I think yeah. I will actually end this, wrap this up, say thank you for listening to this Eurostep Podcast Network post game, Eurostep win in six collab. Everyone's here. Everyone's here. This is a good time. That's why we're so off the rails here. That's why we spent half an episode talking about Nikola Mirotic, Michael Carter Williams, and Weed. And now we're here. <laughs> uh, Make sure you leave a five-star review like Ty was talking about so we can read it out on the next episode or in episodes in the future. It has to be five stars, though. And why would you leave anything else? Because the show was great, and we hope you thought so. If you did, make sure you're, you are subscribed on your podcast platform. of choice. tell everyone you know about the show. Stay safe. Go Bucks, And we will talk to you next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.